Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Royal Symbols. At Royal Symbols, they're taking the 400-year-old tradition of symbol making into the future. If you can think it, they can make it. And whether you play the drums in your basement or on the world's biggest stages, they'll help you craft your sound. Utilizing their combined 50 years of cymbal sound expertise, they'll take your sound ideas and create an instrument that you'll love. Within their lines of royal cymbals, it includes custom-made cymbal craftsman cymbals, and they offer a full range of sound colors. They can even modify your current cymbals to better fit your needs. Royal Cymbals was born out of the need to create the best sounding instruments for drummers with a wide range of sound needs. Over the last few decades, owners Paul Francis and Sarah Hagen have worked together along with the world's greatest drummers to create many of the modern cymbal sounds that you hear in live music and on countless recordings. And they're continuing to do it into the future with Royal Cymbals. Check them out online at royalsymbols.com. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 150 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And my guest this week, Lance Dowdle from From Ashes to New, is making a return appearance. He was first on episode 37 back in February of 2021 in the height of the COVID pandemic. And with the band getting ready to release their new album, Blackout, and spending time on the road right now with Shinedown and Three Days Grace before hitting the road with Motionless and White and In This Moment later this year, it's going to be a busy 2023 for From Ashes to New. Lance and I sat down to talk about his recent battle with the flu and the band's filming of their latest video. Also, his predictions on the band having their first number one rock song, We also talked about COVID and the Retaliators horror film. We talked about the possibility of him starting an acting career and his pet cats, about the band's new album being available on cassette, and what an amazing time 2023 is for rock bands. We also talked about bands like Ghost and Avenged Sevenfold. 
the band's cover of Mariah Carey's famous Christmas song, his love of K-pop, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Halloween, and so much more. So allow me to reintroduce you to Lance Dowdle from From Ashes to New. What's up, Lance? Thanks for coming back on the show. I'm alive. You are alive. Congratulations. I didn't know if I was going to make it. Well, third time's a charm. You, um, you have been very sick the last few days and, and I've been trying to talk to you and you're, you have people and your people keep saying, Hey, Lance is still not feeling great. Can we postpone things? And I'm like, well, yeah, obviously I don't want him sneezing all over the podcast. So you're feeling better. Much better. Uh, the, the last time we possibly could have done it, but I don't want to interrupt this important recording with just nothing but coughing, which I, <laughs> so I, I got hit with some really strange flu, like right, like as soon as I got to rehearsals, we had a music video to do. And I, I think it came from that. Like we had, uh, they were setting off all kinds of pyro and like fake snow mixed with something to make it look more ashy. And it was all indoors. So whatever, uh, I was breathing in because they're using like starter fluid and stuff for the pyro. Like <laughs> essentially I got back to the house and like my nose itched. I'm not just sitting there picking my nose, but I, I, I went like this, just a simple and my entire finger was black. I'm like, that's probably not good. Yeah, probably and lo and not. Behold, like two days later, like I got hit with the flu so bad. I took a COVID test. That was negative. All right. Like, okay, we ruled that out. But like, it was nasty for like a good week of rehearsal. And I'm the only one, like we each have designated jobs and the jobs needed to be done. So like, I'm the audio guy for rehearsal and we can't rehearse without having like all the audio stuff set. So like, basically I'm working and then I'm laying on the floor, like not participating in actual rehearsals. Like I can't play guitar. I'm like just under a blanket, just like shivering, but I still have to go get my work done. So there wasn't really a lot of rest time outside of me just laying on the floor. So fast forward a week, we're playing some shows. Like I'm trying my best. Like I'm all like, I, I still got to put on a show, get all dressed up in the tight vest with the mask and uh, I flew that was that was rough because like the flu symptoms started to go away. But then it left me with like the most nasty bronchitis ever. Like I had to call and get some antibiotic because they thought that it was a, like a bacterial version of it because I was coughing up blood in my mucus and it was it was real bad. So today is actually the first day I've woken up without having to cough. Well, that's good. I can still feel it. I, it it's still there. But like. Usually the first thing I do when I wake up is just have like a 10 minute coughing fit. And I didn't have that today. So that, that's, that's a good thing. Well, you're not the first person to discuss their bloody mucus on my show. So it's totally fine. Yeah. All right. And it goes to show you how much things have changed. You and I, I had to look it up. You and I sat down um, in February of 2021, like during the height of all of the craziness, you guys yeah. were locked down. You were writing an album and now fast forward a little more than two years later, and now you're finally sick, but you're back out on the road and, and things are good and it's not COVID. So that's good. That is weird because I'm the one that never gets sick. I was the only one that didn't get COVID. I didn't get it either. Wait, you never got it? I never got it. See, Everyone else did and I didn't. I don't know. Now, I, I'm totally open to the possibility that I got it and didn't know I had it because I was yeah. only testing when I got exposed or when I needed to travel, but... I wasn't testing like every day. 
So I'm open to the possibility that I got it and just felt no ramifications from it. But like my mom and my sister got it. I took care of them. Like I was definitely around it and never got sick. So maybe you and I are like the genetic mutants. Maybe we should be the ones they're testing. Right. Everyone makes that joke that I'm just... I'm the one that never gets sick, and I'm the first one that got sick this tour. Nobody else got it, thank God. They say that that 10% of the people 100 years ago were naturally immune to the plague. Oh, wow. So maybe somewhere along the line, I don't know, maybe we have some kind of extra immunity to COVID genetically somehow, (laughs) he says while he's coughing. (laughs) <laughs> right. And I, I can tell you that I'm definitely not immune to breathing in ether all day. And people so think I, rock I and roll is not. That's what did it. They, they say that rock and roll is not dangerous. And look at you putting your health on the line for a badass right. music video. And hopefully we actually just saw the music video last night. So hopefully it comes out soon. I, I actually I don't I usually don't know these things. I'm assuming it comes out in a couple of weeks. Maybe I don't know. I love that you're in the band and you have no idea what the hell's going on. I with never have career. any idea what's happening. I just show up. <laughs> well, you guys, even though you guys were kind of locked down working on music, you had a lot going on. I spent a lot of time talking to everybody from Jacoby and Zoltan to Alan Kovac to the guys in The Who about the retaliators. And you guys were on the soundtrack, too. And it looks like this thing... It it looks like a new trend in in heavy metal horror in this this more of a marriage between the bands and the movies is going to come up in the future. I wouldn't mind doing more. That was actually pretty fun. It the scheduling was kind of weird because we were on the other side of the country recording the Panic record at the time that they were doing that. So we had to just like kind of up and stop recording, hop on a plane, go literally to the other end of the country for to do this all day. And then I think that might have been around Thanksgiving where Matt and Danny got to go home and celebrate with their families while me and drummer Matt had to fly all the way back, skip the holidays and finish recording the record because we were on a time crunch. So, yeah, I remember that and I always hold a grudge. Thank you for your Thanksgiving (laughs) sacrifice, because obviously the music and the movie both successful. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um. Do you have, I talked to Jacoby about this because he made his acting debut. Do you have kind of dreams and aspirations of of really diving headfirst into like a secondary career? Um, Me personally, I, I always like to think that I can do it. Like when you're watching movies, like I, I'm sure everyone thinks of like, I could, I could act. It's easy. But even just doing music videos, you realize how hard acting actually is. And I realized I am garbage at it. <laughs> it. It takes a special person. I think um, I think Danny's pretty good at doing some of the cheesy stuff. And I think Matt, I think Matt would be a pretty good actor. I think he could do it. I don't think I could do it, though. I think the hard things for me would be crying on cue because that's not easy. And then having to fake nope. being attracted and having sex with someone that you either hate or think is not attractive. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, uh-huh. Yeah, it seems like it would just be so uncomfortable. And I don't know if there's enough tequila on the planet to tackle something like that. I guess uh, for me personally, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because like of my more stoic personality. Like you said about crying. I, I don't cry ever. Really? I'm that weirdo that like, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just a messed up person. I, I don't know. The only time that I ever cry is like if I see an animal on the side of the road that got killed or something. Like I could, I'm so weird. Like when I watch like deaths and movies and stuff, like it doesn't face me at all. But the second like an animal was hurt or something, that's the only time. Other than that, like I, I, it's so weird to say, but I could, I could laugh at a funeral, even though it's messed up. And I don't really feel that way, but I would, you would never catch me crying at a funeral. Well, gallows humor, my sister and I have that. And and anytime we have to go to a funeral, we always joke, we're going to put the fun in funeral. Gallows humor is definitely a coping mechanism for grief. But I agree that like, as soon as I hear Sarah McLaughlin, all I can think about is like shelter dogs and I want to cry. Yeah. That bitch, she's made us all cry late at night. But, like, I'm the kind of person that I cry all the time, especially when I'm mad. Like, I tell my husband, if you see a tear welling up in the corner of my eye, that's the tea kettle whistling. Get out of the room because things are about to get real. And I am the uh, total opposite. Like, nothing ever changes here. I, I always keep my composure. I feel like I'm the rational one that of the, the group here that has to, like... I don't know. Maybe I'm the glue of the band that can just like take everyone's anger and just break it down, piece it back together as peacefully as possible. I don't think I've ever gotten worked up once in this band and like yelled at anybody. I just don't think I have it in me. Well, it sounds like you guys have found a way. I mean, you were talking earlier about kind of how everybody in the band has a job that it Mm -hmm. sounds like you guys have kind of found a way to focus on the strengths the focus on the strengths of the band members and that you divvy up all of the responsibilities amongst the band. And if everybody in the band kind of understands everyone else's personality types, it sounds like you guys are probably one of the most healthy, emotionally like positive bands I think I've ever talked to. Yeah. I, um, I don't really think you'll ever like, well, I don't think we would ever actually put out any sort of negative energy or like even to tell a story like it our story is always always about overcoming all the positive vibes like positive affirmation for people who are down on their luck and you know we want to see people succeed obviously we all go through the complete flip side of that like almost every day of my life is some crazy story i'm like oh god how am i going to deal with this and like life's over but like the public will never see that from us. We, you you got to keep it in the family. That's right. I ask bands a lot if they think it's harder to keep a band together or to keep a marriage together. I've never had. Thing. Yeah, I've never had anybody say that a marriage is harder because they always say that the band members, it's like a plural marriage, that you're not just juggling a spouse, you're juggling multiple spouses and then their legitimate spouses and their kids. And it's a lot more convoluted. Yep. Every decision on even just the tiniest thing, whether it's a, uh, I handle a lot of the merch stuff. So even if it's as simple as just one particular color on one particular part of a shirt has to go down the line of, what do you think about this? What do you think about it? Do you like it? Like everybody has to be included in everything at all times. We all approve everything. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a marriage. No one gets left out of anything. I have to do that stuff for myself too. And it's usually just, is this shade of purple the right one? (laughs) Does this dress make my butt look big today? (laughs) Now you guys have new music coming out. 
Um, one of the things that bands are doing, which I, I can't believe because I was around to deal with it the first time. Are you releasing cassettes? I think this is our first time. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Like a lot of, uh, I listen to a lot of weird stuff. It's like not in this world, oh, in the world, but you know, not in the rock world. Yeah. It's like a lot of uh, new age, 80s synth rave bands and stuff. They've been doing that forever. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, we should totally hop on that somehow. I'm glad it happened. I didn't think it would. Neither did I because I lived through it the first time. And I was just like, I can't believe that people are bringing these things back. And since you handle the band's merch, I wanted to give you this idea. I've brought it up with bands so many times. Nobody stole the idea from me. So I said, screw it. I'm, I'm going to do it myself. I have official Mistress Carrie cassette rewinder pencils. From oh, ashes no to new, better release pencils to come with your cassettes because for anybody that wasn't around the first time that cassettes came out, you're going to need mm -hmm. it. Get a nice big FATN, be kind, please rewind. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. You just, you never know when you're going to need a pencil around. Yeah. Um, you and I spent a lot of time talking about kind of the craziness of the world a couple years ago during the height of the lockdown. I mean, it was February of 2021. Like nobody knew what the hell was going on. And we're in a point now where it's amazing that bands are out on the road, but we're also experiencing, I think, a renaissance in rock and roll. This tidal wave of music, because you guys all, as bands, had time off for the first time in your careers that much to kind of sit around and be creative and whatever. Um, bands have had to fall on one side of the wall or the other. They're going to reflect the craziness of the last few years and have that come out in the music or they're going to be an escape from it and completely avoid it with the music that they're making. So what's the band's mindset when it comes to it? What side of the fence are you guys on here? I think we're on the best side of the fence. I, th I think that we have the best record we've ever done coming out. Like this was the, honestly the best thing that could have happened for us. You know, like a lot of times when, you know, you're making records, you're on the road constantly, like, you get put under this like time constraint, like, oh, we got to have a new record out before this time. So we just go in and write for a couple of weeks and whatever comes out, comes out, you know, like you don't get a lot of time to uh, perfect your feelings. Like, because maybe at that time you're not really feeling anything and you kind of, you're not faking it, but you kind of like have to write, you know, story based on somebody else's experience or something like that. Whereas, you know, during COVID and all the lockdown stuff, you really got to reflect on some of these like, feelings that you didn't know you were feeling there was plenty of time to process and turn it into art so i think after all this time we actually got to write some of the best songs we've ever written so hopefully that reflects you know when this album drops and some some people there it's got to pick their job off the floor like um there's a song on the record i i i'm assuming that the list of songs came out already like on the pre-order on itunes you like you can see all the titles and stuff maybe there's a song called uh hope you're happy that's probably my favorite song on the record. Like that's the one that I could listen to in any mood, any time of the day. Like it has, it hits all those marks for me personally. Like, cause there's a lot of angry songs on the record. You gotta be kind of like in an angry mood when you're listening to those. Whereas like this particular song, it is angry, but it's very dark, but it's got this like swag to it. That, like you can just sit back 
listen to it on repeat. It doesn't get old. That's the type of song for me. So like, I'm very happy that we got to write that song and we probably wouldn't have written that song if we weren't stuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I said, like this time in rock and roll, like it's so exciting. I mean, Metallica coming out with a new album that is so reminiscent of a lot of the old stuff. And the guys that you're on the road with right now, Shinedown, just broke a record for number one rock songs and top 10 songs. It's kind of insane what's going on in rock music right now. I know. We're definitely learning a lot from them, I can tell you that. And I have a very strong feeling, speaking of number ones, that the song Hate Me Too, which has just been put out to radio, this this is going to be our first number one. I can feel it right now. We've gotten so close before. I think it was, uh, I think it was crazy. Got to number two, and there was this really small band called Ghost <laughs> ahead of us at number one, just just keeping us in our place. We're like, oh, just just give us the one. But I, I think we finally have it this time around. I have a strong feeling that it's going to happen. So when you get your first number one song, first of all, you got to come back on the show so we can. We can commemorate your prediction as being correct. But for a band to get your first number one song, I mean, you know, you can ask Brent and Zach and the guys because they've done it 20 times. But what does that mean? Does it mean anything? And if it means something, what does it mean for you or the band? You know, it is weird that you even have to ask that. Because there there are a lot of bands today that like they don't rely on radio for success. So to them, a number one doesn't mean jack shit, you know? But like we we were kind of raised and we're still coming up like that's how most people know us, honestly, I think. Radio play is still very prevalent in our world. So Well, I, I hope so. It's what I do for a living. So I hope exactly. it's exactly so for us, like, you know, me personally, I used to grow up having all these goals. Some of them have dropped down lower on the list. Like, you know, oh, I want to be in Guitar World magazine or something. That would be really sick. You know, like like that's off to the side now because I'm just more of like a songwriter than a guitar player, which is fine. But like as a unit, I think a number one song is like th- that'll never go away. We always want that achievement. We've gotten so close. We've got a taste of number two. And th- that was cool. But still, that's not number one. Like, like we, we want to know what it's like and we're not going to know what it's like until it happens. So since I talked to you last, I've spent a lot of time obviously talking to bands because, well, you know, fortunately for me, they had the time to sit around and actually have the conversations. And one of the things that I always talk about is the actual craft of songwriting, because it's something that I covet. I wish I could do it. I'm surrounded by so many amazing songwriters doing what I do, but I just, even though I've tried, I just can't pull it off. So for you as a songwriter, as someone that wants to be known as a songwriter, who are like the Rushmore songwriters for you? The the ones that you look at and say, okay, the, they're the amazing songwriters that you kind of aspire to, to master the craft like. Um, I think, I guess for me and Danny, it always boils back to Event Sevenfold. Um, we admire them more like compositionally and how they structure their music and songs. Like obviously lyrically is different because they get to like write some off the wall shit, but like, yeah, structure and compositionally, I think Sinister Gates is one of the best musicians on the planet. 
Speaking um, I know of for bands the guy, that are I, coming out with new records. Yes, I can't wait. Uh, I think I'm going to go both Matt's, you know, obviously really love Linkin Park, Eminem. Like, I know Eminem is his biggest influence for rap, um, Hobson and NF these days. But yeah, I think uh, also songwriting wise for them, I'm going to say Linkin Park is like the bread and butter for like laying the foundation down and allowing us to do what we do. Um, other than that, like, like I said, I'm a weirdo. I search for influences like far outside of this. I rare, I like, I have to ask the guys, I'm like, Hey, what songs are big in our genre right now? Who should I be listening to? Cause I don't listen to this stuff when I'm at home. So like I, I listen to K-pop, all kinds of you know Japanese rock. Can like, you explain the K-pop thing to me? Because I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around it, to be perfectly honest. And I don't want to ask the question online because I don't want the BTS fans to come at me full force <laughs> on Twitter. Um, I, th I think it's it, what you just mentioned is actually true. Like it has a completely different fandom and it's very interesting. Like their, their fandoms are just the most appreciative, like, BTS could just fart into a mic and they would get on their knees and be, Oh my God, thank you for blessing me with this. You know, it's crazy. But the whole world of K-pop is interesting to me. Like, yeah, some of the songs are pretty like cookie cutter pop. There's also a lot that are like really well thought out that like, you know, like, Oh wow. I could like put an idea like that into some of our music, which is cool. I like to search for outside stuff so that not everything sounds similar in the rock world you know if you if you all you listen to is rock music things kind of get recycled and you're like yep heard that one before so uh, i experienced k-pop the biggest experience with that is it's honestly more of a visual than it is uh, i mean it is both but the visual is just as important i mean i i can't dance but <laughs> their big thing is choreography um videography cinematography it, it's just crazy the amount of money that they put into their music videos is probably more than this band has ever made in its entirety, just in one video. They're sinking hundreds of millions of dollars in this one single video, just because they know they can export it all over the world. It brings that money back in. Like it is quite the machine. And I bet they don't get the flu from all the smoke machines when they film their video either. No, they probably do it outside <laughs> safely, you know, <laughs> As I'm still coughing today. I know, right? <laughs> Speaking of non-rock stuff, I have to ask you about this because I have a very strict rule in my house about holiday music getting played until like the week of Christmas when I'm actually baking cookies and making lasagna. Yeah. Whose idea was it sitting around that was like, let's cover Mariah Carey? Like, seriously. Oh, it was definitely me and Matt. Okay. Matt B. He called me and was we're having a conversation about, you know, like it's 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 time. We should probably do a little Christmas cover, do something fun for the fans. So like make a list. Let's start thinking about some stuff. So we're we don't like to be that band that picks the low hanging fruit. We just don't like to do it. So our uh, initial thoughts were like, all right, let's uh, think about some Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. We're like, oh, well, I mean. I think Marilyn Manson and Corn might have already done a couple of these songs. Okay, well, what about this? What about this classic? What about doing something more rap like Hobson has done like a Christmas thing before that sounded really cool? It was more like original than like just a cover. Like, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, 
everybody hates that Mariah Carey song. And it, it, has anyone done it justice in our world? I don't know. But we're like, yeah, it's kind of a low-hanging fruit. So we're, we've been trying to avoid it, but maybe we shouldn't. Let's just go for it. You contributed to her windfall. I read something that she makes like $120 million a year off of that song, which is, just blows me away. Yeah. Like, you say 120 million? That's what I read. Yeah. That she, now I don't know if it's right. I believe everything I read on the internet, but like, because she's got writing credits on it and obviously performance royalties, and it's literally everywhere sync licenses and commercials. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not a bad gig if you can get it. No. And I'm pretty sure that we did the right thing because it was literally like maybe two weeks later, the, the place that we recorded it. She she went into that studio with our engineers like two weeks later. I forget why, because there's a big rehearsal facility next door that a lot of the big artists go to. And she's was getting ready for something, came in to record like a liner for something like, hey, uh, one of our groups here just recorded your song and you know played it for her. She was just jamming out. She loved it. Well, if you get signed off by Mariah, you got to be doing something good, because I hear yeah. I hear like most successful women. She's difficult. Well, she loved it, so that must it had to have been meant to be. Um, the last time you and I talked, we spent a lot of time talking about being holed up in our homes with our animals. Since I talked to you, um, I now call this the geezer question because I was joking around with geezer butler on the show when we were talking about all of the animal rescue charity work that he does. And <laughs> he told me that he's got 13 cats and five dogs. And I was like, well, how do you keep them all straight? Like, how do you even come up with names? Geezer Butler dropped this nugget of brilliance on me and it changed everything. He told me that him and his wife name all their animals after gangster rappers. Oh, wow. So now I have to ask everybody what their animals' names are because of Geezer Butler. And you and I never talked about the names of your cat. So you got to tell me now. Geezer question. All right. Well, okay. I have four cats. Um, our orange one is Toby. He's Tobiko, like from sushi. Um, we have our two spooky boys. Um, one's a Zazel and one is Alucard, which we call beep because he doesn't make a meow. He just kind of beeps. Um, and then, uh, our big fluffy, uh, Maine Coon looking one is uh torment, which is the wildling from game of Thrones. See, there's always a story about where they come from. Always. Yeah. Yep. My dog Wednesday just had her fifth birthday party, and I had a party for her and bought balloons because there's something wrong with me. Was she wearing a party hat? She had beads on because she wouldn't keep the hat on. <laughs> Close enough, though. So tell me what's going on with the band after the Shinedown tour. You guys are out on the road with Three Days Grace, and obviously the record's coming out this summer. So then what are the plans for the rest of the year? Um, rest of the year, let's see. Um, we get home like May 29th, something like that. Um, we have been discussing the idea of dropping a lot of money on good visuals. So we're potentially going to be making some really cool music videos. We want to make a music video for pretty much every song on the record. So we're trying to pick our favorites and really sink into those. 
even if they're not radio singles, we, we want everything to be represented. So um, we might be shooting some videos for the first week of June. Then we have, I think we finally get some time off after that for maybe like two or three weeks. And then we just picked up the tour within this moment and motionless and white. So that will uh, be the conclusion of our summer. I think that goes until the end of August, maybe something like that. Um, then after that, we may be looking to headline for late October, November, something like that. I think uh, the record comes out mid-July. So pretty much just in time for that In This Moment tour. July 28th, if I'm correct. You got it. Yeah. So that'll get you into my favorite season of the year. And when you're out on the road with bands like In This Moment, Motionless and White, you get into the fall. Uh, do you have a favorite Halloween memory? Because it's my favorite day of the year. From when you were a kid, like best costume you had as a kid? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I was a pretty good Ninja Turtle. I won't lie. I mean, Donatello is my favorite. Obviously, purple is my favorite color. So I know you did your hair just for me. Yes. Back in 1990, I did it just for yep. you. And it's been <laughs> this color ever since. Yeah. <laughs> there Aren't they coming out with a new Ninja Turtle movie, too, this year? <laughs> oh, I am so far removed. I think I saw the most recent one, like, what, a few years ago? But I haven't kept up with it since then. Yeah, my sister's a huge Ninja Turtle fan. And... and dressed up as one of them as a kid for Halloween as well. So you yeah. you are not alone with your pizza-loving hero-and-a-half shell. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, But you're telling me you did not. Uh, no, I didn't. My sister is the comic book Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan. That was not my jam. So what were you dressing up as? I, I was a little bit of everything. I remember one year I dressed up as Groucho Marx. Okay. I, I went as a mummy once. My mom is a nurse and my dad was a paramedic and they got all of the gauze and stuff from the hospital and wrapped me up. But you know, Halloween is cold where you guys come from. So yes. you your parents always ruin Halloween, making you put a jacket over your costume. So yep. my parents decided to put me in the jacket and then wrap me in gauze on top of it. And I looked like the Michelin man. I really didn't look yeah. like a, a, a mummy. I looked like the Michelin man, which kind of ruined it. But <laughs> but I think I think the one I've talked about the most on the show is is I dressed up like Elvira once when I was older. I can see that. Yeah, that one worked out pretty well. Awesome. Especially for my boyfriend that night. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys made it through the pandemic, that there's new music on the way, and I was very concerned about your flu. So I'm really happy that you're feeling so much better, and you can just, you know, it's it's a war wound from the lifestyle of rock and roll and making videos that you ended up breathing fire and getting sick. That's right. It'll pay off. I think the video comes out in a couple of weeks. It's for a song called Armageddon. And I, I don't know if anybody knows that or if I'm supposed to say it, but yeah, that's what well, it is. Well, now it's out, so you ruin the surprise anyway. Yeah. Surprise. And now anybody that watches the video will know the sacrifice that you put in for filming that video. Yep. I mean, they were lighting fire off like 24-7, and then it, I think it might have mostly been the, the fake snow, whatever they were mixing it with to turn it to like ashy-looking stuff. Yeah. Ugh, that was bad. Well, there's a lot of fire on the Shinedown tour, too. Those guys, like... Those guys like their fire, so be careful around that stuff, too. I know. I think it was, uh, it might have been the show before last, like, I I almost feel like Zach 
almost missed his cue of like one of the fireworks that comes up because I'm pretty sure I saw it like curve up right behind his back. Like he was so close to getting nailed. It's so dangerous. I mean, that famously happened to James Hetfield up in Montreal when they were on the tour with Guns N' Roses and it caused the riot. I saw him like five days later and his arm was still all in a cast and the guitar tech was playing for him. So you got to be careful around the fire, man. Spinal tap. Did nobody learn anything from Spinal Tap? <laughs> Luckily, all we can afford right now is just our little, like, smoke shooters. So I think we're safe there. Yeah, you're safe. But when this record comes out and you get your number one song and you can afford oh, yeah. the fire, be careful. Yeah. I think our next step is to hire somebody with a hairspray and a lighter to come up on stage. Now you're going old school Bon Jovi on me, dude, and I am so <laughs> here for it. It was so good to see you. Uh, hopefully i see you uh in the next couple of years yeah well right? I'll, I'll see you at some point this year yeah you guys are going to be touring so much i'll see you for sure are you coming out to anything or no yeah we're actually going to see you at the beginning of the tour uh in uncasville connecticut at the mohegan sun arena on july 8th and towards the end of the tour in guilford new hampshire at the bank of new hampshire pavilion on august 18th so yeah we're gonna be there i will see you for sure I say, I think we were just at Bridgeport, Connecticut the other yeah. day. Isn't that like a five minute walk for you? Yeah, it's a little bit more than five minutes, but but yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, all of the tours seem to be coming through, you know, Mass or New Hampshire or, you know, I'm up on the radio in Maine too. So um, you guys will be around for sure. Oh, like I said earlier, I am the worst with like paying attention, to like schedules and stuff like that. Like I know we have the tour. I know the dates and the cities are listed on it. I have not even looked at that yet. I really should probably like look at each date and be like, who's around here that's important that, you know, I should be reaching out to. So maybe is there a Boston on that tour? I don't. But if there is, I'll call you. We'll figure it out and I will be there (laughs) when there is. Well, it was good to see you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. You as well. I can't wait for the next one. There he is, Lance Dowdle from From Ashes to New. The new album, Blackout, set for release on July 28th. You can see him out on the road with Three Days Grace and Shine Down right now. And starting on July 8th, they'll be hitting the road with In This Moment and Motionless in White. You can see him in New England on July 8th at the Mohegan Sun Arena and on August 18th at the Bank of New Hampshire Pavilion. You can get more information on the album and find Lance online, find From Ashes to New online, and you'll find all of my links as well. You'll also find the link to episode 37, Lance's first appearance on the podcast in 2021. And you can check out the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that features all of my guest music and all the songs and artists that we discussed in the interview. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and share the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep. All of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info boil down to about five minutes. And you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. You can also join me every Tuesday night live on my official Facebook page at 8.30 Eastern for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And you can listen to the Mistress Carrie radio show. Find the details on all that and more at mistresscarry.com. The Mistress Carrie podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.